This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is My Mind Emporium. Welcome to my podcast, everybody. I hope you guys are having a lovely day. I have been alerted by my um, Microsoft that basically there's a smog alert or there's like an air quality alert going around in this area. So I think everybody should be safe, be careful. And you know, y'all, you guys already got face masks, so y'all know what to do with them. Um, I don't know what it means when there's an air quality alert. I don't know if it's a smog alert or something like that. We already told y'all there's too many people moving to Atlanta. Y'all, somebody need to move. Somebody need to go. Y'all, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, you know, when everybody want to move somewhere, and I know why people are moving here, so I'm not judging why you're moving here. But, you know, understand that the more, the, the bigger the population is, the more issues you are going to have with pollution. Um, So they say. Um. But, you know, there's neither here nor there with me. So, y'all know I like getting started with uh, a topic for the day. Well, I like getting started with, you know, news that's going on right now. Um, So, I'm going to start with this goofy-ass shit first. And then I'm going to start with the other stuff. I didn't pick a lot of uh, serious stuff because I'm trying to stay in a positive mindset Cause my nerves again to me. I'm starting to scratch and I'm starting to itch. So I just I'm gonna leave certain stuff alone. Um. So this first article, which I got it from academics, I couldn't find another article anywhere else. And y'all know how I feel about academics. Listen to previous podcasts. I don't too much care for him, but he got this news. And this came from TMZ, so it is what it is. It says, uh, exclusive, Erica Mena filed to divorce Safari, two years anniversary. That topping, that um, title doesn't make any sense, but let's go on with this foolishness. Um, it's story via TMZ. Like I said, it says, Erica Mena is throwing this tower on her marriage. To Safari at the less than two years as her husband and wife, and as she currently expecting their second child. The love and hip hop star just filed for divorce last Friday in Fayette County Superior Court in Georgia, where they appear to have formally tied the knot in late 2019, where they currently reside. According to the docs obtained by TMZ, Erica is asking for primary physical custody of their one year old daughter, Sapphire, but she's willing to share joint legal custody with Safari. She also indicated she wants child support plus exclusive use of the home they currently share. Bitch, you asking for too much, yo hateful helpful. You asking for too damn much. Were you making fun of us single bitches for not having niggas? And now you don't want the nigga you with? Because he came out publicly and said he didn't want your ass. Girl, get the fuck out of here with your hateful self. You hateful as shit, girl. Let's move right along to the next topic. Y'all toxic as hell, by the way, in Atlanta. I don't know who the hell y'all think y'all are, but y'all toxic as hell. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but y'all wrong for this. This one's come from the jasmbrand.com, and it says, Akon Range Rover stolen while he was pumping gas in Atlanta. Y'all ain't shit. Why are you stealing this man's car? And he's one of those people who's over here trying to rebuild villages and shit like that. He actually trying to help people, and y'all over here stealing from this man? This was written by Sharp Patterson. 
And says Akon is the latest celebrity to tar to be the target of crime. The artist and producer Range Rover was stolen while he pumped gas as an Atlanta at Atlanta gas station. The city police department confirmed with the local Fox affiliate. Police say he was on the passenger side of the SUV pumping gas when someone hopped in on, on the driver's side and sped away. Akon wasn't hurt. The incident occurred at a quick trip gas station on the 700 block of Sydney and Marcus Boulevard just after the midnight this morning. May 25th. Police urge drivers not to leave their car running while pumping gas. First and foremost, who leave their car running while pumping gas? Can't something bad happen? I ain't ever did that. Why are you leaving the car running while you pumping gas? And then my thing is, they didn't get far because there was no gas in the car. Stupid. Stupid. Next, um... Article I found once again from Jasmine Brand. It was written by Nick Alexander Finley. It says, Jay-Z Cannabis Brand secures partnership to produce over 900,000 pounds of product. So, drug dealers going back into drug business. <laughs> These jokes don't write them. These jokes write themselves, man. Like, you know, he got out of the drug business. To become a rapper and now he a businessman and now he can sell weed again. Go ahead, Jay-Z. I ain't mad at you. Um Jay-Z is making more money moves. Late last year, rapper turned entrepreneur Jay-Z, real name Sean Carter, announced his plan to launch a cannabis brand, Monogram. Now it looks like he's planning big, big things for the company, including the production of 900 pounds of Cali-grown marijuana. Monogram is owned by the parent company, TPCO Holden Corpse, of which Jay-Z is the chief visionary officer. Ooh, ooh, look at us. Chief visionary officer for a weed brand. It recently acquired another cannabis company, a Mercer Park brand acquisition corp. Additionally, the parent company is on track to merge with another cannabis company, Glasshouse Group. This partnership is reportedly worth about $567 million and it will be, would allow the parent company product, e.g. E.g. means example, I'm sorry. Monogram to be sold in the Glasshouse dispensary. Additional Additionally, the merger will allow for a massive amount of cannabis to be produced. Okay. Well, I'm over here selling a little John. So, congrats, Jay Z, on making uh, money moves. Moving right along with uh, stories that got to me. Um, this one is from BallerAlert.com, um, and it says, Love and hip-hop star More Fames requests to be released from jail denied after prosecution say he Googled countries he could escape to. <sighs> I briefly discussed this yesterday. Whatever you do on the internet, the government knows what you're doing. Okay. So that's including Google. FBI is watching everybody. NSA is watching everybody. All right. Eric, his name Eric Snowden. Eric Snowden told y'all asses that they are watching us. So what make you think your ass is going to be in jail 
you in trouble. And they ain't gonna do nothing to you because you sit there Googling countries to escape to. Let's talk about this story. This was blogged by Cabbage Patch Girl. It says, rapper Mo Fane recently plead to a judge that he wanted to get out of jail purely to organize his day-to-day -day household affairs after he's sentenced, but the judge denied his request. Fane plead guilty to six counts of federal bank frauds after prosecution said he used a paycheck protection program loan, which is basically a PPP loan, just in case you guys only know the uh, other way of saying it, um, to finance a luxurious lifestyle during the pandemic. He accused of spending the money on debt such as child support. The loving hip-hop star appeared in court in Georgia on Monday where prosecution argued that Fane should be held in custody until his federal bank frank fraud call case is heard. So, once again, if you illegally got a PPP loan, you need to, <laughs> you got to pay that back, okay? You have to pay a PPP loan back. They're not playing with y'all. Y'all sitting over here playing with the government's money and don't think, now it's, don't think anything of it. Stop playing, okay? They're going to ask for it back. I might need to uh, close the window because it's an air quality issue and there's something in the bushes. Um, this one is next. I got this one from the Jasmine brand. I told y'all I'm not covering the whole TI situation because I am smack dab in the middle of this. Um, it is what it is. So the jasminebrand.com and I got this from all true tea, but it came from the jasminebrand.com. Basically TI and tiny Sabrina Harris seemingly said if couples tell the truth and apologize in seven days, she'll drop the lawsuit. You can go to All True Tea or the Jasmine brand to watch the video. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my little two cent on this bullshit. They have gathered all of Ti and Tiny's victims up because there's no doubt in my mind Ti is going to jail. Okay, Ti and Tiny are both going to jail for what they're going through. You started all this mess just for an apology. Girl, let me tell y'all something. I need y'all, because that's not the reason why. The apology is for what? What, what? what I'm apologizing to you for? Friend, huh? What we apologizing for? Help me help you to why it's okay for you to bring the whole legal system that taxpayers pay for down fight a bunch of women who are actual victims of tiny and ti and then sit up there and say i will drop the whole lawsuit if you say sorry i question anybody characters that does that 
like I said, what about the real true victims? But it seems like nobody gives a fuck about real victims in this world anymore because of people like this. And I find it to be very disgusting that she would do that. Um, so today's topic, topic of the day, um, because it's always weird over here. So it's weird ass Wednesday. How y'all doing? Mm-hmm. This next topic is about the gruesome murder in room 1046. It's the gruesome murder. BuzzFeed said the, 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 the strange murder. Um, this is an old story. It's an oldie, but a goodie. A lot of these old stories are oldies and goodies. Um, it's very mysterious case. Um, I have heard it by several different people, including BuzzFeed.com, Kendall Ray. A lot of people have done this story. So I want to talk about this story. And of course, y'all know in the end, I'm going to give my little two cents about this story because I feel like it's just intrigues me. And yes, I will be talking about conspiracy theories. Um, I do have a list of conspiracy theories I'll be talking about. So uh, be aware, be, be aware, okay? But this one right here, because yesterday I was supposed to do another one, but I decided to go ahead and talk about Charmaine the God and all these things going downhill. And I told y'all, I don't know what's going on with that whole situation. Everybody throwing stones in glass houses. That's what I see it. And it's like all you know that the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA see every damn thing y'all doing. Uh, so talking about stories where nobody was really looking at what's really going on intrigues me. Another thing uh, with me is... Um, the one story I can't stomach to do right now, or I'm not going to stomach to do, I might do on the anniversary of what had happened to her, is Kanika Jenkins. Um, I can't stomach her or Kendrick Johnson. Um, so if y'all, you know, feel like I am kind of being racially biased in some of the stories I'm talking about kind of have something to do with people who are white. Understand um, I can't deal with certain stories because of how disturbing it is. Um, it's just, I, I can't. The Kendrick Johnson story is, is being investigated now. So there's new developments in his story. And Kanika Jenkins' story is, disturbs me too. So I will be talking about those stories and giving my two cents on those stories about what happened. But, um, and I'm going to be honest with you, I remember being around activists and they were talking about the details of the story when it came to Kendra Johnson. Um, but I'm going to let you guys know, if something bothers me, that's why I didn't go deep into the auto 1BA situation, because that situation is still bothering me. Um, and the Kendrick Johnson and Kanika Jenkins cases bothered the hell out of me. So... I want to talk about these topics, but I have to be willing to have a sleepless night. Um, and like I like right now, I'm still kind of disturbed about the case that I did about the um the babysitter and the um the man upstairs. I didn't know it was that messed up. 
I did not know that story was that messed up. I was like, what? When I got to that story, so please understand, you know, if you feel like I'm doing more stories with more people who are not black or anything like that, please understand that I, it takes, it takes a tough stomach to talk about these stories. Um, but I'm talking about this story because I've heard this story before. And so if, if I hear a story over and over again, it does not bother me. However, um, if I talk about a story and sometimes when I get more details, it disturbs me and it just takes me to a whole nother level of anxiety. So understand that, you know, I have to calm down and relax. And then on top of that, I'm low key PMS in this week. So <laughs> that's TMI, but I'm PMSing. Point blank period, poo. So any, everything is getting on my nerves and any, everything is getting under my skin and um, I just want you guys to know that, you know, I will be talking about topics, more topics that are in the black community, but some topics, a lot of some of the topics I like talking about are in the white community as well. They're weird. You know, like I find it weird and I find it to be disturbing that that couple never found out who was writing a letter. And I really think it was the neighborhood that was ganging up on them. So we're going to talk about this case It's a very intriguing case. It's an old case, but it's always a good case. So sit back, relax, eat some popcorn. And uh, I'm going to tell you about this case, A Room 1046. This article was written by allthat'sinteresting.com. Um well, the article is written by Katie Serena, and it's on allthatisinteresting.com. It was published November 27, 2017, and updated February 3rd, 2021. So it has a, pre- a very recent updating, um, very recent update to it. Um, it says, The Unsolved Mystery of Ronald T. Owens' Gruesome Murder in Room 1046. <clears throat> the mystery of what happened in Room 1046 of the Hotel President remains unsolved to this day, despite endless files of evidence. On January 2nd, 1935 at 1.20 p.m., a lone man checked into the President Hotel in downtown Kansas City. He had no luggage beside a comb and a toothbrush and asked for an interior room on a high floor of the hotel. He checked in under the name Ronald T. Owen in the complaint and complained to the bellboy about the outrageous prices of a neighboring hotel. After checking in, receiving his room, Room 1046 on the 10th floor, he left the hotel only to be seen intermittently throughout his stay. Sorry, intermittently throughout his stay. Though the man's behavior stuck, struck the President Hotel staff as odd, they didn't think much of him. After all, the hotel often played host to out-of-towners and businessmen looking for some late-night company in the less and the less the staff got involved, the better. The staff wouldn't give his behavior another thought until six days later when the man turned up dead in his hotel room, a brutal bloodbath. As they described to a police, the brutal scene question arose about the man's behavior prior to his death, bringing to light just how strange the behavior had been. On 
January 3rd, one day after Owen checked into the hotel, the hotel maid, Mary Soptic, stopped by to clean his room. It was around noon and most of the hotel residents were out for the day. However, upon reaching Owen's room, Soptic found the door to be locked from the inside. She knocked and Owen opened the door. After insistently she come, came back later, Soptic eventually entered. She found the room in almost completely dark darkness with the shades tightly drawn and the only light coming from a small dim table lamp. As she cleaned, Owen mentioned that he had a friend coming to visit him shortly and would she mind not locking the door. Soptic agreed. And Owen left the room. Four hours later, Soptic returned to room 1046 with fresh towels. She found the door and still unlocked from when she had cleaned the room that afternoon. And upon entering, found Owen laying fully clothed on top of his still-made bed, seemingly asleep. A note on his bedside table read, Don, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. The next morning, January 4th, Sothic's strange interaction with the room 1046 continued. I would have stopped dealing with that room. Uh, if I started seeing strange things, started things got weird, not seeing stuff like that, um, I would have I got somebody else to do it. But, you know, I get it. She's just doing her job. Around 1030 a.m., she stopped by to make the bed and found an Owen door to be locked from the outside. And it would be when patrons left. Assuming Owen was not inside, she opened the door with her master key. To her surprise, Owen was sitting inside in the dark room in the chair in the corner of the room. As she cleaned, the room rang, the phone rang, and Owen picked up. No, Don, I don't want to eat. I am not hungry. I just had breakfast, he said. After a moment, he repeated, no, I am not hungry. After he hung up, Owen began interrogating Soptic about her job in the hotel, the first time he had ever really, really spoken to her. He asked her about how many rooms she was in charge of and what kind of people live in the President Hotel, if any, and any complaints about the price of the neighboring hotel. Soptic answered quickly, finishing cleaning and left, finished cleaning and left Owen alone in the room 1046. It was only after she left that she realized that since the door had been locked from the outside, someone had to have locked Owen in his room. Later that day, Soptic returned with fresh towels, having taken the one from the room that morning. However, as she knocked this time, she heard two voices in the room rather than just Owen. When she announced that she had fresh towels, a loud voice, voice told her to leave, claiming that they had enough towels. Though she knew that she had removed all the towels from the room that morning, Sotek left the two men alone, not wishing to intrude on what was clearly a sensitive and private conversation. The same afternoon, the President Hotel got two more guests whose president would, 
who presents would contribute greatly to the mystery of what happened to Ronald T. Owen in room 1046. The first was a Jean Owen of no relations to Roland. She had come to Kansas to she had come she had come to Kansas City to meet her boyfriend for the day and decided rather than drive all the way back to her hometown on the outskirts of the city, she would stay for the night in the hotel. Upon checking into the hotel, Jean Owen was given the key room key to room 1048, right next to door to Roland. That night, according to police statement, she heard a repeated commotion. I heard a lot of noise which sound like it was on the same floor and consisted largely of men and women talking loudly and cursing, she said in her statement. When the noise continued, I was about to call the desk clerk but decided not to. The other hotel guest was not quite a guest at all. The bellhop who had been on duty that night described her as a commercial woman who often frequented the rooms of the hotel mill patrons late at night. On the evening of January 4th, she came into the hotel searching for a man in room 1026. However, despite being a very prompt customer, the woman couldn't seem to find the man she was looking for. After searching for a well over an hour on multiple floors, she gave up and went home. Both of the women's statements would raise more questions about the fate of the men in room 1046. The next morning, the bellhop received a call from the hotel telephone operator. The phone in room 246 had been off the hook for 10 minutes. Without anyone using it, the hellhop, the hellhop, the bellhop went up to check on Owen and noticed that the door was locked with a note, do not disturb, sign hung on the doorknob. And he knocked on the door and Owen told him to come in. However, when the bellhop told Owen that the door was locked, he got no response. The bellhop knocked once again, then yelled for Owen to hang up the phone. Assuming Owen had simply been drunk and knocked it off the hook. However, an hour and a half later, the telephone operator called the bellhop again. The phone in the room 1046 was still off the hook and hadn't been hung up at all. This time, the bellhop let himself into Owen's room with the master key. The man was lying naked on the bed, seemingly drunk, not wish wishing to deal with him. The bellhop simply straightened the phone, placing it back on the hook, and locked the door behind him, reporting Owen to his manager. There's a lot of weird shit going on here. But um, this is what I expect from a hotel. Um, I'm not trying to be funny, but... If you work in a hotel, I've never worked in a hotel, but I expect weird shit like this from a hotel. I expect there's somebody there who has weird shit going on. You got someone there with a prostitute. Uh, you got a bunch of, I mean, I expect weird shit like that from a hotel room. So, I mean, you know, and this is why, you know, when I was talking about this, I was thinking about Kanika Jenkins because that's a situation where there was some weird shit going on in a hotel. Um, so th that's why I was thinking about her. Cause I was thinking about, you know, what was going on when she was at the hotel, but this is something that happened back in 1935. And even then there was weird shit going on in a hotel. So y'all gotta be cautious and make sure when you rent out in a hotel room, you have to be very careful. Um, cause you don't know what's going on. To his surprise, an hour later, the telephone operator called again. The phone was again off the hook, though not in use. This time, when the bellhop opened the door, he found a bloodbath. Owen was sitting curled in the corner of the room, his head in his hand, suffering multiple stab wounds. 
The bed sheets and towels will stain with blood and the walls will splatter with it. The bellhop immediately called the police who took Owen straight to the hospital where doctors discovered that Owen had been tortured viciously. His arms, legs, and neck had been restrained by some kind of cord and his neck sustained multiple stab wounds. He also suffered a punctual lung and a fractured skull. Ronald T. Owen was pronounced dead at the hospital shortly after arriving. The doctor also discovered that, he, that the wounds on, on Owen had been inflicted well before the bellhop first trip to Owen's room that morning. They assert, asserted that he had attempted to call for, a multiple, for help multiple times, but hadn't been able to make it farther than picking up the phone due to his injuries. When investigators searched the room, the strangeness continued. There were no clothes in the room at all, and nothing matched the description of Ronald Owens when he checked in. The hotel amenities, such as soap and toothpaste, were also missing, as well as something. It was as anything that could have been the murder weapon. The only thing of note the detectives found were four small, four small fingerprints on the telephone stand, though they were never identified. Furthermore, detectives found that Ronald T. Owen never existed. There was no record of any such men having lived anywhere in the United States and had they employed the public to come forward with any information they had about, had about the mysterious murder victim. Shortly thereafter, the neighboring hotel that Owen had complained so much about came forward, claimed that a man matching the description had stayed at the hotel on January 1st. He had check-in under the name Eugene K. Scott. However, upon further investigation, the police reached the same dead end they had with Ronald T. Owen. No man named Eugene K. Scott had any record of ever existing. Over the next couple of months, various people identified the body as a loved one, though none of the identification stuck. Finally, the case ran cold and the detective decided to bury the body. As they arranged for a small funeral, a bouquet of flowers and a donation to cover the funeral costs, showed up at the funeral home with a letter that read, Only Love Forever, Lucille. A year later, a woman named Ogletree came claimed that Owen Scott was her son who had been missing for years. She claimed that his name was Artemis. As I continue this story, <clears throat> we're at the part where a lady named Ogletree claimed that um, Owen Scott was her son who has been missing for years, okay? She claimed his name was Artemis Ogletree and that he had been staying at another Kansas City area hotel at the time he went missing. Though there wasn't any more evidence to her case that any, of, any other, other police were eventually inclined to believe her. Though experts claim it was only based on lack of evidence in the rest of the case. To this day, the case remained unsolved, opened yearly by the Kansas police as new pieces of evidence unfold. For the time being, however, it seems that the mystery of room 1046 may never truly be solved. Now I'm about to say reveal, but it said solved. After reading about the mysterious murder of Roland T. Owen in room 1046 of the case of the, I mean, I'm sorry, of the President Hotel, read about six other crazy creepy solve on murder cases. Oh, never mind. That was part of the article. All right. So that is the case of um, Roland T. Owens' gruesome murder in room 1046.
All right. So let me get my little two cents in this, honey. This all-out craziness going on and stuff. Um, this lady saying it's her child and stuff like that. It starts with the first question I have is why did he always go into hotel rooms with different names? Even though she said his real name was Artemis Ogletree. But several other people claim that that was their family member. So nobody really truly know who Roland T. Owens was. So was he a secret agent? Every time I see a case and people are trying to figure out who the person is, all I think of is that this could possibly be a CIA agent, um, an undercover assassin, a spy. This was 1935, so he could have been a German spy. Um, What else? He could have been... Um, but I mean, my best bet is that this guy was a spy or a CIA agent, FBI agent, a secret assassin, uh, somebody that worked for German Germany at the time. Because you remember at the time, what was in 1935? So this was the rise of the Nazi party. So he could have been that. Or, I mean, you know, he could have been part of the mob and trying to get away from the mob. And the mob found him and was like, nah, nah, you ain't gonna get away with this. It's a strange story, and I find it funny that they keep opening the case up. Um, that case is like, what, 70 years old now? 75 years old? It's an old-ass case. The main question is, who is Roland T. Owens or Artemis Ogletree? Whichever who the hell he is, who was this person? And why was he in the hotel? How did some? Why did somebody lock him inside the hotel room? That's the part that was weird too. Like, who locked him in there? Was it the hotel owner that locked him in there? Well, what, what what's the whole story with this? It's weird and it's strange. And y'all know my other my my last uh my last conspiracy about this was he's an alien. Y'all know I always go to the alien. <laughs> I love talking about some aliens. While I was sitting up here talking, true story, I don't know what was in those bushes, but I had to close the window. Y'all know I paused for a minute because I had to close the window because I heard something in the bushes. I don't know what was in the bushes. Nine out of ten times, it's either a squirrel or a bird, but I love going to the, the theory that it could possibly be an alien looking at me somewhere. Alien has always been my theory. Um, it's because every time there's things that are unexplained that happen, because the thing is, when he went to the hotel room, he was already beat up. So he had like a, what is it called? A mushroom ear. You know how when people get beat up like they're a boxer? Because they got more descriptive. I remember BuzzFeed got more descriptive of the fact that he had like a, a mushroom ear. When you box and they hit you in the ear, it's puffy and it's swollen like he was a boxer. He could have been a boxer who worked for the mob. And the mob was like, oh, you trying to get out of this? Nah, shawty. Mm-mm. You owe us debt. You owe us money. I mean, of course, we all know at the end of the day, 
is definitely a mob situation. But who was this young man and who he was? It still remains a mystery to this day. Um, and it's scary. It's scary that one, his life was taken away. And it was scary, the whole situation that happened with it. Um, so with that being said, um, I hope you guys enjoy my little story about the awful murder in room 1046 of Roland T. Owens. Um, it's very intriguing. If you want to watch videos on it, uh, Kendall Ray did a video on it. I think, I'm not sure if Bailey Sarian did. Bailey Sarian did a video on it. Um, BuzzFeed did it. BuzzFeed did a story on it. They both all have different accounts of what's happening. That's why I said in one story, they said that he came in and he looked like he was already beaten up. Um, the story I just read from that article is a story I just found from um a particular website. I forgot the website I told you, but it was um on that website. So it's a very interesting case. If you want to watch any um videos on it, uh BuzzFeed, Kendall Ray. Um, Bailey Sarian, they all have done it, done it on YouTube. I'm talking about this case, and it's still a, a, a case that they're trying to figure out after 75 years of looking into it. Um, so yeah, I think it was not 75 years, more like 85 years. My bad, 85 years. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I want to say a little something real quick. Because <laughs> it's a very wild-sided ass beef and I don't care. So yesterday I went to the beach and I got kicked out for calling him Big Daddy. It ain't that damn serious. And yes, he is looking at other women besides you because that's what single men do. They look at other women besides you because he has options and he's weighing his options. And he has said on several times, he's for the streets. And you don't get that. But that's okay. It's all right. You can stay pathetic and 30. I don't care. I'm 32. Um, I'm not 32, but I am 31. I'll be 31 this year. But I'm not going to sit up here and spend my, my precious years waiting for some man who don't want me to want me. Um, I don't have in my head that any celebrity has anything for me. And if you do have something for me, you can always slide up in my DMs. They wide open, boo. And no, I am not dealing with them young uh, mush mouse. I'm not dealing with mush mouse. You young and you stupid. If you get me pregnant, I'm going somewhere and going missing and going to another state or country. And you won't see your child because I'm not depending on no 20-year-old ding-dong head to take care of me and mine. I get it, got it good. But my DMs are open. I'm just saying, if you think I'm cute, just say I'm cute. You know, this is to anybody out there. Specifically individuals over 30. Hey, how you doing? My name is Lady. And this is my mind emporium. I am so outie, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>